how are you at adapting? Well, first of all, how are you? But how are you when it comes to change? How are you when it comes to a new situation and leaving the old situation behind? Can you shed it like a skin or do you resist until it feels uncomfortable and you find yourself stuck between the past and the present? That liminal place, well, that's a very tricky place to live. Trust me, I know. I've lived there. I'm sure you have too. Adapting to a new situation, a new relationship, a new home, a new country, all of that is hard. My guest today on the podcast, well, I think of her as a master of adapting. She's really good. You're going to hear all about it. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers. The podcast. Check this out. Yet another headache, yet another play, asking me to hold on, asking me to stay, begging for forgiveness to take another chance. I know you won't stop now. of my guest today on the program, Nino. Let me tell you a little bit about Nino. On the subject of adapting, Bruce Lee once said, yeah, I am going to open the podcast with a quote from Bruce Lee. It's about to happen. Here we go. He said, you must be shapeless, formless, like water. When you pour water in a cup, it becomes the cup. When you pour water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. When you pour water in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Water can drip, and it can crash. Become like water, my friend. Well, Nino has been a model of adapting and becoming like water ever since she left her home in Georgia and moved to New York. Not the Georgia where it's unlawful to have a glass of water when you're standing in line to vote. The other Georgia, the one located at the intersection of Eastern Europe and Western Asia, and bounded to the west by the Black Sea. Now, Nino will explain the rigors of such a move at a young age, so I'll leave that to her. But what I will tell you is this. She started playing piano at 7, and by 11, she was crafting her own compositions. Influenced as much by the folk music of her homeland as she was by Nina Simone and Joni Mitchell, early on, Nino's work was already capturing a cosmological intellectualism, wherein she was contemplating the mysteries of the universe through the complex lenses of physics and astrology. Yeah, her work is pretty deep, both in lyrical scope and instrumentation. Her self-titled debut album is a riveting and mesmeric blend of undulating rhythms, lush pop textures, dreamy psychedelia, and heartfelt poetry. The songs are both nostalgic and forward-thinking, and it's some of the most unforgettable music you'll ever hear. Also unforgettable? This conversation, Nino is incredibly smart and sweet and thoughtful, and you're going to fall in love with her. Trust me. So let's get to it. Here's me and Nino having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. heartbreaking because it's not the same it's not the same I don't want to believe that you know some people say that New York City is dead um, and it's not going to go back to normal I'm very um, hopeful but it's it's not like it was it's like uh -huh. a ghost town 
and it's it's actually a dangerous place to be at night um so it's very sad what's going on here do you mean dangerous because why why is it more dangerous now because uh i i hear a lot of um uh, a lot of bad news around mm. um and a lot of criminal activities and and uh it's just in the subway also there's so so many accidents and it's people are not um uh, like they are cautious because it's not how it was like you can freely go at 2 a.m in the morning in a subway and not be afraid that something would have happened to you but now it's different it's totally different right and if there's people out at night you wonder like why are they out at night and <laughs> there's nowhere to go <laughs> right so like where what are you doing yeah yeah. I know, I know. So um, hopefully it's going to be over soon. So yeah. Uh, uh, how about there? How is uh, California? You know, it's very similar in the sense that San Francisco is very empty. And, it, you know, it's typically very vibrant. And it's not right now. A lot of things have, have shut. They've just sort of, uh, the stay-at-home order has been um, lifted. So, but, you know, that still isn't going to really do much in terms of because capacity still has to be really, you know, 25%. So I'm not sure that the city is not going to return to its vibrancy. Um, and I think people are still, are still very, very nervous and cautious because though there's a vaccine, there is no cure. So that's a little bit different. So there's, you know, there's a little bit of, of trepidation around that. Are you um, an optimistic person? Do you find that you are always looking on the, the silver lining side of things? Uh, Definitely. I'm extremely optimistic person, actually. <laughs> and you can tell that by my musical. So even though I go into darkness, I always find the light. So I cannot help it. Like, I'm very hopeful, optimistic. And I do believe we need darkness to see the light. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be even better, in my opinion. So um, whatever happens for the best, it's very sad what, what's happening in the world. Um, very sad that a lot of people passed away, but I do believe that it, we're going to make change because of these and we're going to make the planet the better place to live for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Have you always been like that? Even as a, as a child, were you always pretty optimistic? Actually, you know what? It, I, I, I was because I was going through my, um, notes when I wrote when I was back in Georgia like I was around 15 16 and one of the quotes I wrote was questioning I wanted to write the topic about that or a song and the question was you know how everything has a age I wonder what age the earth is right now and I was like 15 year old 16 year old girl shouldn't be asking these kind of questions <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I was very uh, compassionate towards everyone generally as a child. And um, I, I think my parents has to do, it, it's because of my parents, because they were very loving uh, people. And I grew up in a loving environment and they basically had a lot of friends and they loved everyone. <laughs> so uh, it, it also environment and uh, Georgia, how Georgian people are also, they are very warm hearted and kind. Um, but me as a person, yes, I was very deep and um, I had those altruistic thoughts, like not only me, but world and earth and generally that. Yeah. What was the root of that? Were you, were you concerned that the earth was getting too old or you, were you concerned that about the, the mortality of the earth or where, what was the actual concern that you had? Actually, I remembered exactly what I felt when I read the quote. My concern, I remember, was I don't want the world to end, uh -huh. but everything has the beginning and ending. And I was wondering if there's life after the death and what stage we are. Is it, are we going to all die soon? Or <laughs> that's the thought I had at the time. So. Yeah, those are some heavy, heavy 15-year-old thoughts. Exactly. So I was even shocked and surprised when I read that quote because I didn't remember. And I was like, why? Why was I even thinking about that? Yeah. Even though I was a happy child, I was an extremely happy child. So was there was there Western music that made its way to you at all? Just out of curiosity, like in terms of like Western culture, movies, music, books, did that filter through? 
of course, of course. Growing up, my parents made sure that I would be properly educated, but uh, they wanted me not only to know a lot of Georgian artists or um, poets and writers, but also European uh, writers and even American musicians, and they tried their best. At the time, it was Communist USSR, and they tried their best to give me um, all the education and just to tell me what's going on. And I have that influence. Sometimes I feel like, I actually joke with my friends that I'm like UN because even uh, my ancestries, like they, I have from both sides, like they're uh, like we have everything in our blood, basically. <laughs> We're not pure Georgian or this and that. And same time, the education wise and development wise, how they raised me, I feel like I'm UN. And I, that's why I think globally when I write music, it's not only for me, it's for the whole world and the earth. <laughs> yeah, and also it's, yeah. it's really interesting that you say that because I think that you've just put your finger on what for me makes your music so magical and universal is that you have elements of Georgian traditional Georgian music and then there's there's like psychedelic music in there there's there's a pop there's sort of um it, your your music is also has that UN sensibility that you're talking about is that am I Am I right about that? Yeah, exactly. Of course, of course. It has influences of everything and everyone around me. And that's Europe, that's America, that's the whole world. Um, even Eastern countries, um, I was listening to Arabic music and reading literature. So uh, they try to um, give me everything, whatever they knew, actually. <laughs> so yeah. I, th I think they did a good job, but it, it influenced me, definitely. And it made a difference in my development and my musical taste also growing up. You know, I'm a professor, I teach college, and a lot of my international students who come to California, they talk a little bit in their essays, they talk about the struggle, uh, struggle might be the wrong word, but the challenge of embracing Western culture and preserving their own culture. Um, and I think your music solves that problem kind of perfectly. <laughs> but what about Thank for you, you. you personally? Have you, are you aware of that sort of balance or has that always been a kind of um, a conscious thing for you? I think I always say it runs organically into me. It runs organically. Even my songwriting, it comes, it's so strange. And sometimes people don't understand this. It organically, I feel like I'm getting into the streamline and downloading it. And even though English is my third language, sometimes I write words that I don't even know the meaning. And when I actually go through that, and I was like, what is this word? Why did I write that? What does it mean? And when I find out, I was like, okay, how did I know this word? And it's, it's, it's challenging, but same time, organically, it's very natural for me because I just, when I get into that, it just comes to me. Of course, I can also sit down and, okay, if someone tells me, okay, you have to write a song about, for example, window or the plate or something, I can do that if I force it, force it to myself, but uh, it's not going to come out as good. <laughs> yeah. So, but I can do that. I can do that. But um, I love my songs that are organically, and most of my songs are like that, uh, that organically just downloading in me. So the, the three languages you speak, obviously English and... Uh, Georgian is my first language, right. uh, my native language, and Russian is my second language. Got it. Yes. So, and I also know how to read and write Arabic. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> yes. I said, I'm asking because, you know, like when I was a kid, I was a big mm -hmm. reader. My, my mom used to say to me, if you see a word that you don't understand, write it down, look it up. Okay. And of course I didn't do that. Right. But like uh -huh. you were saying, like sometimes when I'm writing a word that I've read that I didn't look up will show up on the page and I'll go, what's that? What is that? But so, so it's almost like your brain. I mean, look, you should always look up the words. I'm not saying you shouldn't, <laughs> but it's like your brain hangs onto that stuff and it does, re it does sort of repeat it for you. Right, even if even if you don't even know, you're like, what is this strange word? It's like your your unconscious brain has hung onto it for you, and brings it back. Exactly, exactly. And you know, some scientists think that we do have the information inside. Yeah. Or some people believe in that. 
I believe in that too, because sometimes it's, it cannot be explained um, when we think about stuff and when we know stuff. And how do you know that? I know for sure I didn't read anywhere. I didn't know that before, but we do have the information in us, in our DNA, and we just don't know how to use it. Maybe could be the possibility. So yeah, it could be the possible. Yeah. So I, I do believe in that for sure. I do too. Um, now you are, you come from a very social family. When you moved to New York, because um, you've been in New York now for how long? Oh my God, almost 20 years, okay. almost 20 years. I, I even forget because um, it's been so long. I feel like I grew up here, here, it's, it's my country, it's my home, so. Yeah, so yeah. you moved to New York as a, as a kid with your family or did you come on your own? Uh, I came here by myself to study. My father actually sent me here first to study English. Ah. And, but the funny thing is I knew in Georgia that I would never, not never, but I would not go back in a year as he thought I would because I always dreamed about America, not any other country. Because some people ask me, oh, you always dreamed about like running away from Georgia, how bad it was there. And I was like, no, it's not about running out of the Georgia uh, just to go somewhere. I specifically wanted to come to New York and to United States. So, um, and it, it, it's, I basically feel like I grew up here and it was the best time for me to come here. Even though I don't have the education here, like I didn't go to middle school or high school here. Um, I, um, and it would be nice because I still have uh, I have I have some challenges sometimes because of that, but it's hard to be first generation immigrant and also to have the, my English also it's not fluent completely fluent that way. But I honestly think that that was the best time for me to come here because my mind was so curious and I wanted freedom. I was thirsty for freedom, and New York is the best place to be. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed with excitement and joy because music was everywhere, art was everywhere, and I was like, I honestly felt first time in my life that this is a place I belong. I should be here. This is my place. So the, oh. the rhythm of New York, when you got there, it was exactly how you had sort of hoped it would be. It was even better. Really? It was even better. Yes. Because in my imagination back in Georgia, when, when you're a child, you're watching these American movies and listening to these great musicians, and you have some kind of idea what to expect of the United States. Yeah. But... Little that I know that it's like 10 times better and it's 10 times more exciting. And uh, I could literally breathe uh, creatively. I, I, could, I felt like I could breathe now. Did you feel yeah. that, that, I like that you say that. So creatively, it's almost like you, the geography gave you the space to be more creative than had you, not that you wouldn't have been, but it gave you a totally different kind of space to create in. Definitely, because at that point, geography and moving here was important because back in Georgia, uh, for uh, people who were in the music business and in the art, art world, it was very challenging times. Basically, uh, music business didn't exist in Georgia. Okay. It didn't exist at that time. And it was a poor country, uh, post-USSR poor country, who we, I remember we didn't have water and we didn't have uh, light. And I was sitting, I still remember, I was sitting in my music room and looking out of the window and dreaming. I was like, I dream of America where there's light, there's water, and there's people like me and music and I can leave like meaning of living, not existing. So I felt like I was existing back in Georgia. And uh, because I moved here, um, America helped me to leave and live like I wanted to leave. And getting back to you being social, what I, the, the thread I was sort of getting at yeah. was, you're a social person, you come from a social, very social family, moving to a strange big city with a lot of people. Um, 
was that difficult for you at first in terms of feeling a little solitary because you didn't know people or did you, were you able to sort of hook up to a community pretty quickly? I, I would lie if I say I hooked up to the community pretty quickly because it was, I remember the first year was very challenging and sad because I had, uh, uh, not a, it wasn't depression, but uh, kind of like missing the country, missing my friends. Yeah. I didn't know what it means to be an immigrant and to have all those kind of feelings. And it was really hard for me. Uh, so I went through a hard time. It was a dark, a little bit of darkness, but same time excitement. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's hard. It, it was hard because I was alone. I came here alone. Um, my parents actually had a conversation before I left that morning. They were blaming each other. How can you let her? She's so young uh, to go to America so young. She's very young. And my mother was telling him, my, my father, um, oh, do you want me, uh, do you want her to blame me when she grows up that, uh, why didn't you let me go? That was my dream. And then my mother, mother was telling him, oh, do you want me, uh, do you want her to blame me? So that's why we, and they agreed that they had to let me go, basically, as I remember. So, but it was hard. It's challenging to be here, to be an immigrant without anyone here. It's extremely challenging and people don't even realize. And I was a, the victim of racial discrimination before. And I wish I could explain to these people what it feels just for a young girl to get into the place where of, I don't, I don't even know how to describe. I get emotional actually, and when I get emotional, I forget the words in any language. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it's very hard to to be an immigrant and to that, not to have anyone. But thankfully, I'm so grateful to all these amazing people that I met. I was very lucky because I met amazing people. I made a lot of friends. Uh, and uh, socially, little by little, my life became more beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And and it was very important for me because being Georgian, part of being Georgian is to be social and to have a lot of friends because friendship is highest in Georgia. It's it's an honor and it's a, it's way of living. You have to have your family and you have to have your friends. And I think that helped me a lot to make sure I have a lot of friends, to make sure I have all the people who are nice and who treat me right. And um, I think I was lucky in that, in that way, so. Yeah, because, you know, because we like to think that trust is a universal thing. Mm -hmm. But when you move to a new country, especially New York, which is, which is uh, a very fast city. So in, in America, you, you know, you meet people and you go, can I trust this person? Like, how do you even really know? Because the way people behave, um, there are certain things perhaps at home where you can tell if somebody is being genuine. Uh, you move to a new city, new country, and was trust something that you um, had to sort of grapple with? Like, oh, this person seems like a nice person. I, I can trust them. Um, were you able to read that pretty well? I would say I was very sincere. I was very sincere at that moment and I I wasn't looking at people I could trust them that way but what I went is my with my intuition and mm -hmm. I could um I could feel if that person was genuine and that's what I went with but right now as an adult I do sense if I can trust someone oh my god I'm so sorry for this <laughs> I have to make this lower um, so right now as an adult, I can, um, I can really see if I can trust someone. Um, uh, and I have that kind of inner knowledge right now and experience. Uh, but before I was a young girl and I was very sincere. I didn't think that way that, oh, I can trust this person, but I went with my intuition if they were nice and, uh, uh if everything went well, I was like, I want to be friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have some of the yeah. same friends that you've had for 20 years in New York? I do, actually. I do. I have friends that I know for 20 years. Um, and it's it's amazing because uh, most of my friends, actually, I know them for, for years. And I have new friends also. These past couple of years, actually, not a couple of years. I have to pass the pandemic now. Yeah. But several years, <laughs> um, I made a lot of new friends. 
and uh, that that amazes me every time because I have a new friend who's so close with me and so I'm so grateful that I met her that uh, she's like my old friend she's like I feel sometimes that we grew up together and she she grew up somewhere in Bronx and uh, we're like how can we how can we be so similar like yeah. she goes sometimes I feel like I'm Georgian like I was born there and I was like I feel like I'm from Bronx somewhere yeah <laughs> so <laughs> So it's amazing. It's amazing. So it doesn't matter where you were born or where you come from. I realize what matters is what's in your heart. That's it. <laughs> I agree with you. And I, and I, I have found as I've gotten older that because when you're a kid, you think like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go be friends with that person. It's just easy. You've got people everywhere. Yeah. As you get older, it becomes so hard to make new friends because people are very set in their ways. And so when I make a new friend as a 50 year old guy, I get really excited because I go like, okay, there's still, you can still make friends. It's, it's kind of an exotic treat now. In the old days, it was so easy. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's rare, but it's like, we have to appreciate it. It's a blessing. I look at yeah. it as a blessing if you meet the right person. And I think we have to make sure after this pandemic is over that we meet more new people and we socialize more and spread love i yeah. call it spreading love yes yeah so. i haven't i have not it's weird to think because i'm a very social person too and i've not uh -huh. been in a room with people in so long that it seems like even just sitting at a restaurant um and and with friends just seems like such a such a great thing to look forward to you know exactly um, it's i mean it's uh, so your music is just bewitching and beautiful and mysterious and i love Thank it you and so what i'm curious just to sort of i mean this show is really all about the present moment moving forward but i wanted to sort of look back for a second when you got to new york and you started to take in the sounds like the musical sounds of the city um did it did your brain just sort of explode with possibility did you go wow in other words, was there music that you never would have heard that suddenly just rang your bell and you got excited about? And did that in turn influence what you were doing artistically? Of course, of course. I, I, I was actually um, good at observing myself from childhood somehow. And I was observing myself and I noticed how creatively I was growing and I was changing the direction. Uh, of course, so New York helped me to open different doors creatively that I, I couldn't even think about how to approach before. And uh, I went, I now I could hear, I could go to different festivals um, and I could hear avant-garde music right. and get something from it. Or I would go listen to folk, international Indian or Ar Arabic music and get something from that. And I was like, somehow in me it was um how would i describe it somehow it was mixing up in me as a, as an instrument we humans are the the best instruments it was then downloading mix of these cultural uh influences in me and yeah. new york was the place new york uh, made made that possible for me for sure yeah because your music is it, I mean, the, the sort of the elements that are alive in your work, um, it's yeah. so textured, it's so rich, and it's so varied that it, it sounds to me like you are open to anything. Like you'll listen to anything and see if you can sort of incorporate that or be inspired by it. Exactly. I go to Vision Festival every year. And the reason I love Vision Festival is I feel uh, creatively that I could I could get what I want in there. I could yeah. actually feed my brain and feed my creativity and avant-garde and experimental music. And uh, you would see me somewhere, for example, in um, Chinatown and listening to this, for example, the old couple playing some kind of instrument that I don't even know what is that <laughs> so and I will be curious to find out what is that what are you playing so definitely it's I, I love jazz you're gonna see me in underground jazz scenes and I will be just hanging out with jazz musicians but it doesn't mean that um, I, I don't write jazz but 
probably in next album it's going to have some um, elements of jazz because oh. it really I, I've noticed it influenced my uh, songwriting for future but <laughs> but generally I'm open to anything basically any music I, I'm just a streamline and taking it creatively so you're the, the the best kind of friend to have because if someone said to you, hey, want to go see this psychedelic band, you would say, sure. If someone said, you want to see this jazz band, you would say, of course. Whereas I have people in my life who go, ah, oh, you know, I don't like jazz. I'm not going to go do that. <laughs> but you seem like you won't, you really are always so curious that you'll, you'll just go and see what's up. Uh, yes, actually. Um, I think so, I guess. I have to, we have to ask my friends, but <laughs> uh, I'm like that. I would go to anywhere and I would go to classical music also. I love classical yeah. music also. So. But um, some of my best friends, I have to be choosy who to take where <laughs> because right. I like your friends. Right, yeah, yeah. Your um, friends are like my friends. They're like, it's like I, I cannot go to this festival I, I don't understand this avant-garde jazz and I don't understand this fusion and I was like oh but you're gonna love it trust me <laughs> yeah or you so. might not love it I mean the thing is oh, yeah. that it's, right isn't it true that it's instructive actually to go and say I went to this fusion show didn't do anything for me isn't that actually as important as if it did of course I always actually tell my friends that you might not if you don't try you won't know if you like it or not right. it's same with food um if you don't try how would you know you don't like it so you have to experiment it you have to try maybe you're gonna like it maybe you're not if you're not gonna like it you'll know you don't like it so it's a win-win situation <laughs> yeah you, it's funny because you're you're saying exactly the things that my mom used to yeah. say to me when i didn't want to try a food when i was six or seven years old <laughs> but i know that you're right and i think that people have a resistance sometimes and they don't even know for example i have a friend who i'll say hey let's go see this movie and she'll always say well you know i don't like science fiction right and it's like yeah. okay yeah that's true but categorically to dismiss an entire genre is to dismiss an enormous component of of the artistic world and even if you don't like it at least, like you're saying, at least you gave it a shot and you can respond to what it is that you didn't like to help you in the future, right, sift through what you do like. Exactly, exactly. I can have studied better. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes. So it's important mm -hmm. to be open-hearted, I, I, I think. Tell me a little bit about your, I mean, I hate to even put it this way because it sounds so technical, but your process in terms of not how you do it, not how the magic, is created but your your practice in terms of are you working every day on your music are there days that you consciously decide not to um what is your daily discipline around your art um so it depends i try not to push myself when it comes to music actually i try not to push myself because uh, for me, it's the most valuable blessing I have, and I don't want it to be something to become something that I would hate to do. So, um, but right now, since I starting um, started uh, working on this album and I started uh, promoting it, and uh, from the business side of it. I have to do stuff in the morning uh, till the all day. I have to actually, it's so hard. I just realized sometimes I go, what I got myself into? <laughs> music business is hard. It's really yeah. hard. And I'm calling my friends, my musician friends, and they're telling me, well, this is just the beginning. And one of my friends actually told me, he's a jazz musician. He told me, music business, you're going to learn it has nothing to do with music, sadly, nowadays. And so from, to answer your question, from business side of it, I do work every day, but from creative side of it, I, I try not to push myself, but somehow organically, I noticed that um, there's like days, for example, in two days, I might get something, some information or some kind of emotion. And I keep writing, I write notes or I play guitar like yesterday i just wanted to play something i was like what is this melody that is building up in you know, building up in me i was like what's happening and i listened to myself 
and if it wants to download something, I'm here and I'm gonna make it happen. Information, information, and there is a sun, firelights, forming lines, colliding to one. It's like you are available for the to be translated into, right? So the artistic, the artistic sort of yeah. mystery thing yeah. floats in the world, and you are open to let it float through you. But if exactly. you said to yourself, "I'm going to write every morning from ten till 12, it feels like it would almost close you up to that kind of inspiration. No, yes, I try not to do that. I try not to do that yeah. because this is so precious for me and. Um, I was like, maybe one day I'll get into that, that um, I have to do that. But let me enjoy this moment. This is the beginning and I want to enjoy this beginning of my music career. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to enjoy, enjoy it right now. And trying to keep it as organic as possible. Yes, yes, definitely. When you write, do you, it, it, so when it can come in many different ways, it might be you with a guitar, it might be you scribbling a note down, a word or a phrase down. It could be, it, so it can present itself in, in a number of different ways. 
Yes. Uh, actually, you know, sometimes a lot of people ask me, do you write lyrics first or do you like music first or mm. does it happen like same time? In my case, um, I would say it comes same time, but sometimes, for example, like yesterday, music comes and then when it comes, I play, then lyrics come. Uh, so yes and no, like it comes together, but I notice if I really try to separate it, music always comes first. Uh, so it just melody starts um, rhyming in me and then lyrics come. So uh, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> what, for you, was, it, was music always, or at least was a creative life always the path? Or was there ever a moment where you had other pursuits in mind? Uh, I would say, uh, I remember actually first time when I started writing music, I was 11 years old and I was so excited because I had this brand new piano. My grandmother brought, brought me that piano and I was praying for the piano for, for a while because we didn't have that. My family couldn't afford it at that time because I was seven when I went to musical school and by 11, my grandmother brought me the piano. So I was extremely excited. but. Uh, first, I think emotions, when, when I was emotional, I was just starting writing. And I would say that it was kind of a therapy for me now that I remember. And not only for darkness, like therapy when I was sad, it was also, there were, there were some songs that I was extremely excited and I started writing. So basically emotions in me awaken music, if I can say that. So, yeah. yeah. So I remember from childhood, that's when it started. Just sadness and excitement, emotions awaken something in me and it hasn't stopped since then. Is your family, I always wonder about the choices we make. I always wonder if they really are our choices or if they're hardwired into us, you know? Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, yeah. it always intrigues me because even for me, uh, getting into radio when I was 15, it was like all I could think about. And I found out years later that I'd had a, a relative who had been a DJ. So, you know, in like World War One or something around that time. Yeah. Um, so there, there is a sort of, there's, there's a kind of ancestral precedent, I guess you might say. So are oh, there that. musicians in your family yeah. and, and or were you the first person to sort of go that direction? Actually, uh, my grandmother was a musician uh, and my mom also uh, was a singer, but she never pursued her career, but only once she had a radio show in her small city where she was from. I forgot the name, but uh, she, she even had a funny story about that because her family actually didn't want her to sing 24 7 that's what she was doing and she remembers one morning my father actually started shouting stop singing it's really early give me a break here <laughs> and my grandmother uh, she was telling me shouted like my mother shouted back she's singing in the radio it's she's in the radio so that was the first time when she uh, she was like that was the best moment of my life my mom was telling me because to see my parents like having that conversation, it was exciting. So she was great actually, but she, she got married very early and she actually dedicated her life to her kids. Basically she was crazy mother. Like she, the purpose of her living was just to uh, be best mother for me and my brother and to go to our classes and she worked full time. Like, let's go to chess class and let's go to dance class and let's do that and that. So she was a full-time mom. If she wasn't, she would be the greatest singer. I think she was so talented. Were your parents uh, supportive of your pursuit of music? Yes, actually, I would say yes. Because why I appreciate my parents and I'm so grateful because uh, they actually gave me freedom to choose what I wanted to do and to choose. Originally, actually, for a year, I was going to taking the special classes. I wanted to become a doctor. No one knows this, actually. I'm telling you first time. And um, I was going to different classes. I was thinking to become a doctor, but then I realized 
actually my mom wanted me to become a doctor. And one day I sat down and told her, mom, I'm not that type, I think, because when I see blood, I feel like I'm going to pass out or something. I, I'm not a doctor quality. I don't have these qualities. And she went like, so what do you want to do? Tell me and we'll go there. And my father was always whatever you want whatever you need to do he was giving me he was like best father so I was lucky that way <laughs> yeah no it's important to have yeah. that, that supportive family yeah I mean the thing is yeah. from people I've talked to it's not as though an unsupportive family would have stopped them from being an artist but it yeah. certainly helped to have that foundational fam you know familial support yes and I think it's important to give general education to kids yeah. so they can choose what they're passionate about it's very extremely important and they did that gave me general information about everything and everyone and <laughs> i just chose what i wanted to be when you when you wrote the album did you send your parents individual tracks or did you wait until it was done and say here's the album what do you think like, how did that process work actually i would say that um for this album, only one song is was known to my parents because right now, um, both of my parents um, are in different dimension. That's how I call it. They don't live in this planet anymore. Oh, <laughs> they okay. went to different dimensions. Um, but, um, my parents um, know only one song that I wrote years ago, Vital Illusions. That was my first English language song and oh. somehow it made it in this album because it's so special. And um, so they knew this song and my father, I remember because my father had passed away in 2016. He was very extremely proud of me, extremely proud of me because he was always telling me to uh, go for your passion, like whatever you're passionate about, go for it because you can never make mistake. I still remember his words. You can never make mistake if you're going with your heart and with your passion. And that's the always right choice he was telling me. So, um, and, but he, he was teaching me chess also. And he was from childhood was telling me, you have to know, you have to know the structure. You have to be organized, but make sure to make changes sometimes because it's very important uh, <laughs> to take different ways. So I remember his uh, quotes and, but I was like, uh, I was listening to him and it's like, whatever he told me, even today, sometimes it pops up in my brain, his quotes yeah. and I, it's in me. He's like, his voice is still here. So they know, somehow they knew my music. My ma mom knew all my music what, from, childhood whatever I wrote she she was the one actually uh who was saving all my notes because I was writing music and throwing it out in the garbage and she was like collecting them and keeping and because of her I have this huge uh, bundle of uh writings from childhood because of her and I I just go sometimes and laugh because some of the writings are extremely funny <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's like a reset button for me not to forget where I come from and not to forget where I'm going. Do you, I mean, obviously not now, but have you been able to visit Georgia in the last couple of years? Yes, actually, I have been there three times, I think, three or four times. Uh, I try uh, to go um, every two, three, four, five years. It depends because yeah. only thing that I hate, only thing that I hate is the long uh, airplane ride there. It's It takes like 11 hours, 12 hours. Last time it took me 16 hours with Qatar Airlines. And I was like, why, why take so long? And uh, uh, it's it's frustrating for me, but... I love to go there because I, I call it, it, it's my birth country. It's right. my biological mother. And I always say Georgia is my biological mother and United States is my adoptive mother who raised me. So I love to visit my biological mother and I love people and I have family there and I love that country. So of course, every chance I get, I go there for sure. Yeah, of course. And your, your brother, I imagine is still, he's still there? He's still there, yes. He's still there. And actually, I, I, I wanted to bring him here, but 
United States immigration system, I always talk about it every time I get a chance everywhere. We have outdated immigration system and for United States citizen to um, reunite with his sibling or her sibling, it takes more than 10 years. 12 years most wow. of the cases yes because the united states immigration system uh, doesn't believe that siblings are immediate relatives what is that i didn't know yes that. yes and i always write this on social media everywhere we need this immigration reform because that's so not fair for example in my case i have i have just one brother and he's my only family and because of those horrible um outdated system he cannot be with me uh whenever he wants to was so, that I, uh, by the way i love blaming everything on trump was that before even with <laughs> me the, too yeah <laughs> so was that <laughs> was that even before trump though or or can we just throw that on him too sadly that was before trump oh. in this case sadly i i, I wish to blame him, i know i know <laughs> i know i know i have to i might do fair. it anyway <laughs> I have to be fair. Yeah, it's not. It, it it's happening for as as long as I remember. Even uh, even Democrats like uh, I remember. Only immigrants know this because when um, what was it? When Obama was coming, everyone uh, became so happy because oh my God, now immigration reform. But it never happened. They were hoping that something different would ha happen, but it didn't happen. So this time around, that's why immigrants were. How can we trust you, Democrats, when you didn't do anything before? And that's why our beloved president now is trying to make these changes. And that's why we need these changes. And I'm not even, I don't even want to mention our previous president, if I could. So uh, <laughs> we all know immigration-wise what he did and how unacceptable it was for yes. everyone. So yeah. I, I don't even want to mention that. We all know. <laughs> so. We all know. Yeah, so whatever yeah. was in place before him that was not great, he just made a thousand times worse. Oh, right. a million times worse. Yes, yeah. Yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, that was not acceptable. No, and, no. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're, uh, we're both really glad he's gone. Extremely glad. That's <laughs> why uh, when, uh, that, I've never seen New York so happy when they announced that Biden won. I was like, I wish I could see this at least every month or so. People were so happy, joyous outside, and me including. I was, I was over, overjoyed, overwhelmed, and so grateful that finally we could breathe. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was in Berkeley when when it was announced, and the you could see people forgetting there was a pandemic because everyone was so excited they just wanted to <laughs> hug strangers. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, we can't do that. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious for you artistically. I've, I have found this to be um, true, not across the board, but very, very true with artists where the album is done and it, we're here to talk about it. But in your brain, you're already thinking about the next album. Have you? <laughs> I love that question. Yes, that's exactly right question. And you definitely know for sure. I love that. Thank you for that question. Yes, it's actually a lot of people don't know this but it's a sometimes it's a torture to go through the old stuff again and because you are already on next level you're on different album and i have actually i'm ready actually for two albums right now i have so many songs written and uh, also when i try to sing and um in front of my friends also for example I want to sing new songs and I'm more emotional about new songs and for right. my future albums. And then you have to somehow tune into this old one again. So that's exactly what's happening <laughs> in my life right now. So I'm, uh, I'm basically my third album mentally and right. creatively. <laughs> right. You don't, even, you, don't even want, <laughs> you don't even want to talk about the second one. You want to get right to the third yeah. one. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, and, and plus, a lot of people don't understand this, uh, and it's not their fault. But when you, yeah. like, for example, when my book came out, I was doing a reading from it, and someone asked me a question about what is, what is that piece, what is that poem about? And I thought to myself, I wrote this book five years ago. Like, I'm trying to remember. 
let me give me a second because I actually <laughs> forgot. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that when your new album comes out, it's not like a meal. You didn't cook it five minutes ago. Like it's been cooked, created, packaged, produced, uh, distributed. That's a process of sometimes two, three, four, five years. Definitely, definitely. A lot of people uh, don't realize that, but it took me seven years. There you go. This album took me seven years. And a lot of people ask me, why so long? And oh my God, seven years, that's a lot of time. Um, first of all, it, um, a lot of things happen in my life. A lot of tragically, my parents, whatever. I don't want to talk about it, but circumstances made that happen and also I'm I don't like this word but I have to say it I'm a perfectionist mm. and I would not release something if I'm not completely happy about it and if I don't make sure that this is exactly how I wrote and how I wanted to sound and be so even for me it doesn't matter how long ago you wrote something uh as long as um it is exactly what you wanted to um, put it out there in the world. But same time, going back to your question, I'm so over it. It's like everything is done. Emotionally, right. I'm in different level. I don't remember some of this stuff, but thankfully I was making notes. So I go back to my notes to remember some of this stuff and uh, original like organic writing, when did it happen date wise and everything. But Yes, you're right. It, it's a, it, it's, it took a lot of years and sometimes we forget and we're ready for the third album. I know, I know. <laughs> so, or <Yeah>. third book. <laughs> Do you, uh, it's so true. Do you, does the word perfectionism make you sort of just recoil a little bit because it makes it sound like you're too, uh, too intentional and it's not, it doesn't sound organic enough? Uh, for me, I, I believe that you have to be flexible okay. in everything to make it there and to uh, to be different. You have to be flexible. But same time, somehow, I don't know why I am like that. Like, perfectionalism doesn't fit with my personality if I could, uh, my other creative personality. So it's hard to explain for me, but it's hard to be same time perfectionist and also to be flexible that I know it's right to be flexible. <laughs> yeah, I get and, what you're saying. Yeah. I get it because what, what, what really is, is that the creative side of you doesn't yeah. have any interest in perfectionism, but the business exactly. side of you understands that it has to referee yeah. the, the artistic side of you. Yes, so uh, I'm somehow managing it and I think, uh, I think also playing chess helped me a lot in that department. I have that structure, maybe because of that I'm perfectionist, like I'm very pro-structure, but same time I'm flexible and creatively there should be no frames and structures and I'm that way, I'm organic. So it's a mix of both actually. So when I observe myself, it's interesting fusion. <laughs> yeah. So. And yeah. I mean, any chess player knows you, you, to be good, you have to think moves ahead, right? Yes. And so yes. has that helped you in terms of your perspective on both your art and the, and the business part of distributing your art? I would say yes. It, uh, it, it definitely helped me, uh, that kind of thinking. And generally in life, how I am, I always think ahead. And even in relationships, I actually sometimes write notes in the future it's it's weird to say i know but i write notes what's going to be in the future or notes to myself in the future because uh, <laughs> yes so uh, that's how and i think chess uh because i was playing chess from childhood with my father and the way he was teaching me how to look at life it helped me and also it changed the uh it actually influenced me and the way of living I have is because of that. Do you still play chess? I haven't played chess forever and I would love to actually um, play with someone, someone that is intermediate. I cannot play with someone who's a beginner <laughs> because I still remember a lot of moves and everything, but yeah, 
Yes, I, I love chess and uh, I still play because once you know, I don't think you forget, but it takes practice. So to be yeah. a great chess player, you have to practice a lot and learn and read. And I don't have that since childhood, but I have something that a lot of people don't have. I have practice of playing chess for all my childhood. So <laughs> Yeah, you get hardwired. Um, I want to ask yeah. you, the, the album is so beautiful and so magical and what i love about Thank it you. is that and this is a lost art and you know it's it's it, it's a tough one to even say because some people don't listen to albums all the way through but this one is a real experience from start to finish and it seems like the opening is very clearly intentionally an opening by the end it really feels like a, a journey has been undertaken and completed so you, it's been sequenced beautifully um I love that because that's exactly what it is and you worded it perfectly. And I'm glad you had that feeling, the beginning and ending and why I chose those songs. I would imagine the end, I can't remember the name of the song in the end, but the very last song is- uh, Velvet Mode. Velvet Mode. Velvet yes. Mode. And that to me was so clearly the song to end on. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for saying that and for getting that feeling. It means so much for me. Yes, that was a song I chose to end the album with that song because originally I wrote that song um, about my struggles as an immigrant. And I, I, if I could dedicate, I would dedicate that song to all the immigrants in the world. And ending, I'm actually uh, at the end, there's a, uh, actually lyrics I wrote in Georgian and then also in, in uh, English, but it's like awakening. And it's like ending my journey and what I, what I have become. And that, that was very symbolic. And that's why I put it at the, at the last, like the last song on the album. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, it's and beautiful. for you, no matter how challenging things get, no matter how sometimes bleak things seem, like with the pandemic and with no human contact and no whatever, um, you remain optimistic. You remain hopeful extremely optimistic and hopeful because as i said from the beginning where, where there is darkness there is light and we're not going to see light if there is no darkness and i always compare it to plus and minus on the battery we need both we need both for it to work so uh that's i want people also to whoever listens to my album to have that kind of awakening that it's actually positive album it's actually about awakening to appreciate every day, every moment, every second, and, and to tune in into nowness and to also know how we are all connected in the world and we are all one. And it's important to care for each other, to love each other, and extremely important to raise kids that way for equality. Because if we don't raise kids that way, we're not going to have better tomorrow. So, um, because they are our future and we have to make sure they are uh, like cambium rings. Uh, they, we also, um, environment, we're gonna feed them, we're gonna water them right. It's very important, it's a responsibility. So I hope people will have that kind of awakening. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I love the album. I've loved talking to you. Um, and Same here. Thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for all the interesting questions and it was extremely interesting interview and thank you so much for that. <laughs> My pleasure. Come back on. We'll chat about album number three. Definitely, for sure. <laughs>
of Nino, but I do have uh, a quirky presence that some people are not revolted by. That's the best I can hope for. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast, or you can email me editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Visit bombshellradio.com to find out what makes us tick. And you know what? You can find our podcast on every podcast platform. I defy you to find one uh, that we are not on. I'm sure there is one out there, uh, but bring it to our attention and we will uh, bully our way onto their platform. How does that sound? Uh, all right. Hey, listen, I appreciate you tuning into this show week in and week out. We have some great interviews coming up so do stay tuned tell all your friends it would mean a lot to us if you spread the word and you know when you go to that podcast platform that you use throw us a rating maybe a nice comment or two we would appreciate it let's close the show with a longer listen to nino's vital illusions enjoy it and i'll see you next time right here on stereo embers the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Yet another headache Yet another play Asking me to hold on Asking me to stay Begging for forgiveness To take another chance I know you won't stop now You will never shake Love, love, love